Today, we're starting our series looking at the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. For many of us, Holy Spirit can be a bit of a mystery. Is he a force, a ghost-like figure? When I was a child um, growing up in the Methodist church, he was always referred to as the Holy Ghost. And I remember my picture of him was like this pillar of smoke that was kind of scary and not very attractive, to be honest. Um, So today we're starting to look at what does the Bible say about the Holy Spirit. And to start this, we're looking at the, the Trinity. Now, the Trinity doesn't, is not a word that appears in the Bible, but the concept is right through it. So it's a theological word that means God is three persons, one God. Kind of weird, <laughs> to be honest. And it's something that really it's impossible for us to fully understand which is not surprising when we're creatures and he's God. If we could fully understand the nature and the person of God, then he'd be a creature like us. But there's lots of different hints and ways that the Bible helps us to get some sort of grasp on what the Trinity means. So we're looking at the Trinity partly so that we can see, well, how does the Holy Spirit fit into the Trinity and who is he really? So there's a traditional picture that's been used for pretty much 2,000 years called the shield of faith that shows something about the relationship between the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. So all of them are God. The Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. But the Father is not the Holy Spirit. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Father is not the Son. So they're Three distinct persons who together are all God. The other important thing to realise is that there is a, it's a relationship. That the, Holy, that the Trinity is three people who love each other and who, who work together. So we can see that a lot. We'll be seeing a lot of passages where Jesus talks about working with the Father and working with the Spirit. This is a really powerful thing that love is at the centre of God. So the Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Spirit, the Son loves the Father. And so God, we know that God is love. And part of the significance of the Trinity is that love is at the centre of who God is. He didn't need to create to have someone to love. And As we'll see later on, God actually invites us into the middle of that love relationship, which I think is really cool. So there's lots of verses in the New Testament that really point to the Trinity, but one that I love is in Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. I'm talking about Jesus' baptism. When all the people were being baptised, Jesus was baptised too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice from heaven came from heaven and said, You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. So in this passage, we can see the three persons of the Trinity all working. Jesus there in human form being baptised. 
the Holy Spirit coming in the form of a dove to bless him and the Father speaking and honouring him. When we think of a father and a son, we think of a difference in time. Obviously, a father exists well before a son. But God is not like that. It's called the eternal procession where the son proceeds from the father. The father begets the son. And the father and the son together send the Holy Spirit. And yet all three have always existed. This is a hard thing to understand. But we can see some verses. We're going to look at quite a lot of verses today and we're not going to sort of go deeply into them. They're just going to give us illustrations of, yeah, to just give a sense of what God is telling us about the Trinity. Um, Jesus said, Jesus was praying and he said, Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they, his disciples, know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and I will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. So in this one we can see Jesus relating to the Father and talking about how the Father sent the Son. And the Son wants to make the Father known and He's inviting, the father loves the son and then the son invites the disciples into that love between the father and the son. And then Jesus again is talking and he says, when the advocate, and the advocate he means the Holy Spirit, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who comes out from the father, he will testify about me. So in this one we see that Jesus is sending the Holy Spirit from the Father and the, ho- the Holy Spirit will testify about Jesus. This is hard. Don't get stressed. <laughs> this is complicated, but I'm just wanting you to get a picture of it because it's probably not something we talk about that much. So the Spirit sent Jesus from his Father and the Spirit tells us about Jesus. Then Jesus goes on to say, I have so much, this is shortly before his death, he's speaking to his disciples. He says, I have so much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. And that is why I said, the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So again, we can see this relationship of the Father. Earlier, Jesus has said, not everything I say comes from the Father. And then everything the Spirit says comes from Jesus. So they're not They're three distinct people, but they're all working together. They speak with one voice. Now, there's been many analogies made to try and explain this weird concept of one plus one plus one equals one. Some, there's an old one is an egg. There's one egg and it has a shell and a yolk and a white. Or... 
There's the one of someone can be a father at the same time, a father and a son and a brother, like one person is three identities. Or there's another one that says water is like, water can be in three states. It can be ice or water or steam. They tell us a little bit about the Trinity, but they don't go much further than just showing how one person or one object can be three things at the same time. I, an analogy for the, Holy, for the Trinity came to me one day when I was reading Hebrews 1.3. This is a, a verse I just love. It's one of those verses, when you, you know, when you're reading the Bible and suddenly it seems like a verse is lit up? That was what this was like for me. I just got so excited about this little part of a verse. It says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. And I just couldn't let go of the sun is the radiance of God's glory. And so I started to talk to God about it and said, well, what does this mean? And I felt like God said, well, what's radiance? And it seemed to me, he, I thought about, well, what's radiance? And it, I thought, well, it's, what, it's light that comes from something. And so then as I meditated on this, I realised if Jesus is the radiance of God's glory, then Jesus is the way that we see God. Jesus said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And so then I thought, well, is the Father, an analogy that we can see for the Trinity is the Father is like the sun, the, the star of the sun. The, the Father is the source. The Father is, is where everything comes from. But then the sunlight that comes from the sun is like the sun, like Jesus. This is a bad analogy in English because sun and sun sound exactly the same. So I'll say Jesus. <laughs> so the Father is the source, the star. The light that comes from the sun is like Jesus. And this is cool because we only can see the sun because of the light that comes, see the far, well, we can only, when I say sun, I'm talking about the star. We can only see the star of the sun because of the light that comes from it. And Jesus says that we see him and we see the Father. But then I said, well, what about Holy Spirit? How does the Holy Spirit fit into this analogy? And I felt like God said, well, the Holy Spirit is like the heat that comes from the sun. And so the Holy Spirit is the power that God uses to, he's a part of God that empowers us. And when you think about the heat that comes from the sun, it's what keeps us all alive. And we're told that about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is the one that sustains us. He's the giver of life. So I found this a really helpful thing. So you have these three parts, the, the star, the light and the heat. And yet together, they're all the sun. If I go out and I say I'm sitting in the sun, I don't mean I'm sitting on a star. I'm sitting in the light of the sun. If I say that I'm being warmed by the sun, again, it's the heat that I'm experiencing. So each, each one of those we refer to as the sun, and yet all three together are the sun. Another thing that's cool about this analogy is that it shows us how something can produce something, something like the father begets the son, 
in this example, the sun produces the light and the heat, but it all is at the same time. There's no point at which you have the star of the sun radiating and everything doing all of the reactions that it does where it doesn't produce light and heat. So this analogy can help us to see how something can come from something else and yet be all be as old as each other. So if this helps you, great. If it doesn't help you, just forget about it. It's only an analogy. Another analogy that the Bible uses is that the Father is the speaker. We see this in creation. God speaks and the world is, is created. And then we're told that, that Jesus is the word. So Jesus is what God speaks. And the breath of God is the spirit. So that's another analogy that you might find helpful, um, that together they all create, but it's the Father speaking, the Son being what he speaks, and the Spirit being the breath with which he speaks. So as I say, these are analogies. Oh, well, I mean, they're in the Bible, but they're analogies. So if, if they help you to understand the Trinity a bit better, that's awesome. If they make you go, this is weird, just leave it. That's fine. The important thing is one God Three people, all love each other, all equal to each other, all eternal, all cool. So that's the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is God. He's not like just the force of God. He's, he's one of the members of the Godhead. Sometimes we can want to refer to him as an it. We can see him as this force. But it's really important to know that the Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. There's lots of things in the New Testament that tell us about this uh, and we don't have time to go through them all now. But one of the things is that the Holy Spirit can be grieved, it tells us in Ephesians. He has a mind, he has a will. There's lots of things to tell us that the Holy Spirit is a person. Now this might make you confused. This is from Greek. So again, if this doesn't help, ignore it. But one thing that helps us to know that the Holy Spirit is a he is that the word in Greek for spirit is actually a neuter verb. Please, if this is confusing, don't worry. In Greek, there's masculine and feminine and neuter words. And so if it's a neuter word, you call it an it. Like, and if it's a masculine word, you call it a he. And if it's a feminine word, you call it a she. So the word that Greek uses for spirit is actually it. And yet in John, he's referred to consistently as he, which is grammatically incorrect. So if that makes you feel freaked out, don't worry, forget about it. But he's a he. Okay. The next thing I wanted to say about the Holy Spirit is that he has always been at work in the world and in people. He was present at creation. We're going to hear more about this in, in the weeks to come. And <clears throat> we see him right through the Old Testament He's always been active in the world, speaking through prophets and um, resting on different people for particular tasks. But he came in his fullness after Jesus' resurrection, and that's part of what Jesus promised. The next thing I wanted to just say about Holy Spirit is that he was absolutely essential in Jesus' ministry. Now, Jesus was God. So you sort of think, well, why would he need the Holy Spirit? But Jesus was part of the Godhead. 
So the Holy Spirit was present in Jesus' ministry from the very beginning. He was part of Jesus' conception. He anointed him um, in his baptism, as we already read. And in fact, Christ doesn't mean saviour or, I don't know, it wasn't Jesus' surname. Christ actually means the anointed one. And so when we say Jesus Christ, we're saying Jesus, the one anointed by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was uniquely filled of the Holy Spirit. He, the Holy Spirit was active in him. And we can see that in the verse when he started his ministry. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. So the Spirit of the Lord was on Jesus and he anointed him to carry out his ministry. And the Spirit even led Jesus. In Luke 4, 1, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So when you read through Jesus' life, if you have this mindset, you can see the Holy Spirit was incredibly active throughout his life. So if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit to fulfil his ministry, how much more do we? Another thing to know about the Holy Spirit is that we can't control him. When the Bible looks for ways to describe the Spirit, it uses words like wind, water, fire, a dove. Things that have movement and, and go where they want. And that's what Jesus said in John 3.8. He said, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So the Spirit can seem like a mystery. He does what he wills. We obey him. He doesn't obey us. Jesus made an amazing promise to us. When he was in his earthly ministry, he repeatedly promised that he would pour out his spirit on all of us. He even goes so far as to say that having the spirit is better than having Jesus with us in the flesh. This is, a, this is a big statement. It, personally, I feel like if I could choose between having the spirit who I can't really see and having Jesus there as a man beside me to talk to, I would choose Jesus. But Jesus says that we're better off with the Holy Spirit. He says, very truly, I say to you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And as I say, this is kind of hard to believe because I feel like I'd like to have a friend I could walk beside. But have a look at the disciples' lives. When Jesus was with them, they were frightened, they were confused, they were powerless. I mean, they did do some amazing things, but there was a lot of weakness in them. And yet when they had the Holy Spirit, they changed the world. The Holy Spirit is Jesus' good gift to us and he is what we need to live the way that Jesus wants us to.
Jesus went on to say, I will ask the Father and he'll give you another advocate to be with you, to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So Jesus promises this intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, someone who will teach us, someone who will be like a father to us, who we won't be left as orphans, someone who fills us with love and lets us know what God is like. I went through and read every um, verse in the New Testament about Holy Spirit, which is easy to do with a Bible app. You just put Spirit. And it is amazing the number of different things that the Holy Spirit does. He, I haven't got time to talk about them all and we will be exploring this further in the weeks to come. But I made this little word cloud. Is it up yet? Can we have it? (laughs) With some of the many things that the Bible says that the Holy Spirit does. He's, I won't read them all to you, but just to sort of give an illustration that there's lots of things that Holy Spirit does. It's only through the Holy Spirit that that new birth comes, that we can become Christians. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and then he gives us the new life and allows us to enter God's kingdom. The Holy Spirit's continually pointing to Jesus and he, who points us to the Father. He's our comforter, our teacher, our guide. He reminds us of what Jesus had to say. He advocates for us. How do you say that? Advocates for us. He gives us words to say. That's a repeated promise through the Bible that when we don't know what to say, I'm hoping he's doing that for me right now, um, that he will give us the words to say. He gives us power to obey Jesus and power to work miracles. He reveals what is to come. He gives spiritual gifts to build up the church, gifts of encouragement and prophecy and miracles and help, so many, so many gifts. He, his fruit in our lives, the fruit of the Spirit, is a godly character as he works in us to sanctify us. He's our constant companion who will never leave us. So many of these Holy Spirit roles involve communication. He'll teach us, he'll talk to us, he'll lead us, he'll guide us. So we need to be listening to him. If we're not listening, then we won't be able to hear what he has to say to us. The Spirit is a free gift. Oh, sorry. I skipped a paragraph. So with the Holy Spirit, I think that there are two different errors that we can fall into. The first one is to ignore him or to see him just as this impersonal force who we can sort of ignore because he's, he's just this force over there. The other one is to get too excited about the things that he does, like the, the miracles and the... Um, to, get, to sort of get too excited about the charismatic experiences that he can bring, which are great and which he wants to give us. But if we get too focused on that without coming to know him as a person of the Godhead, that can also be an issue. 
he, to know the fullness of the Trinity, we need to know the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we need to learn to hear the Holy Spirit in our lives and we need to give him permission to work in our lives. The Spirit is a free gift, but we must receive him and open ourselves to his teaching and exhortation. We must also subject ourselves to him, not try to use him. Jesus made it clear that we cannot control the Spirit. He is God and we must follow him and obey him, not the other way around. I always was really nervous about the Holy Spirit. I was sort of scared that he was a bit too way out. Like when you see some things, I thought, no, it's a bit scary. Father and son sort of seemed much safer. But some years ago, I decided that had to change. I started to study this stuff and started to try to learn more about Holy Spirit. And I started to pray and ask him to be active in my life to give me um, some gifts that he talks about, to speak to me and to empower me to do the miracles, or, you know, to, to, to be used powerfully and miraculously by him. And since then, I have seen miracles. I've, seen, um, I've actually seen a blind eye open, which is amazing. <laughs> um, and my relationship with the whole Trinity has become just so much richer as I've asked Holy Spirit to speak and I've, as I've sat and listened and allowed him to speak to me and as I've stepped out in faith into situations where if Holy Spirit didn't act, I would fail. I'd encourage you to think about this as well, to think, are you listening to Holy Spirit? Are you open to him acting in your life? Do you believe the promises that Jesus made in, in the Bible that the Holy Spirit would give us power, that he would give us words to say, that he would remind us and teach us? Would you consider asking Holy Spirit to fill you afresh today? Let me pray. Oh God, we thank you for the mystery of you, that you are so much bigger than we could ever know. And yet you reveal yourself to us. We thank you for the love that is at the centre of your being, the way that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit love one another and that they invite us into the centre of that love. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would reveal yourself to us, that you would fill us afresh, that you would speak to us clearly and that we would hear you, that you would use us to bring change in the world. Amen.